Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show, episode 81. Let me tell you what a pain in the ass is. A pain in the ass is recording an entire podcast and then there's no audio on it. Okay, can we talk about that for a second? Actually, there's nothing to talk about about it. It's just so frustrating. So I'm back, although you don't know that. You're just hearing me for the first time on episode 81. Anyway, fact of the day. Hawaiian pizza was created in Canada by a Greek immigrant. (laughs) Is that not hilarious? Pineapple and ham on a pizza. Yeah, it's a Greek thing. And from Canada. Who knew? I went to this place a few times years ago in Manhattan called California Pizza Kitchen. I'm sure you know it. I think this is home of the Hawaiian pie. I would go there. I was like, this place is not pizza, and I'm not going to even dare to eat a bite of that. But I worked for a British company then, and these people, they, they, this was novel to them. Although, I'm not going to hate on meat with something sweet, you know, because think of like a honey-baked ham with, you know, the pineapple rings. Oh, delicious. Anywho. Um, so I was at Caroline's on uh, the 21st. That was really fun. I was um, doing a show with Nikki Smigs. He's a Italian uh, impressionist, young kid. He's just sort of starting out. He's popular on uh, Instagram, and I think uh, he, he's on TikTok. And he does these impressions. He's from Chicago, and he had his New York show at Caroline's this past week. And he asked me to jump on and, and do a set, so I did. We had a great time. And, you know, let me tell you something, okay? There's nothing like Italian support, okay? Uh, the Italian people, they're just, we, we just love each other. This is, what, how, this, is, this is my thought, okay? I have some fans that are up in Canada. They're in Toronto. Apparently, that's uh, an Italian place. There was, there's settlers there or something. And there's like a couple of people there that literally like promote my stuff all over the place. I, I never even met them. They don't know me. I mean, except for online. But I once had a friend, uh, Rich Franchese. Well, I still have a friend, Rich Franchese. He's an amazing comic. He's, um, he's maybe in his sixties now. Uh, and he, he was really popular in the nineties. And, um, he said to me, Elise, when the Italians are on your side, Like, that's it. You're good as gold. And it reminds me of Sebastian Maniscalco, who I uh, love. And, you know, he was out doing stand-up for, I don't know, 19 years or whatever. But once he really started to get that Italian fan base, that's it. His career, it just, it it went into a rocket, okay, into the space, into the space. Can you hear me? Space, into space, into space. But that's like Nikki Sminks. He doesn't have a giant, giant following. And we didn't sell out the show. I mean, in full disclosure, um... It was, it was just him dipping his toe in the water, uh, I think, here in New York. And it was and it was great. We had a great time. People came out. It was a Thursday. And the best part, to be honest, to me, is that it was next door to Junior's Cheesecake. Let me tell you something. Okay. I, it's no surprise. Like, I talk about this eating addiction I have. It's not really an eating addiction. I mean, I don't go in the closet at 2 a.m. and just, you know, eat sleeves of Oreos. But... It, if I, but but if I was given the opportunity, I definitely would, you know. But anyway, after the show, um, you know, me, Nick, and a few other people, and that were that were there, and some of his friends were hanging out outside, and they were like, "Oh, let's go to a drink. Let's get a drink. Let's go to a bar. Let's get a cocktail." And I'm like, "Who wants cheesecake?" <laughs> All these younger people, they're looking at me like, "Uh, no." But you know what? There's nothing more delectable, in my opinion, than a heavenly, smooth piece of New York cheesecake. 
I don't discount Italian cheesecake either. I like that too. But Junior's, they used to have um, a little place on one of the side streets near Times Square. And uh, and then a few years ago, they built this giant place right next door to Caroline's. And I love it. It's like a big diner and it's nice. It's clean. They have, the food's good. It's, you know, American-ish diner food. And then they obviously have all the cheesecakes. Should you be in the area? That's my recommendation for that. And, you know, Caroline's, Caroline's is a great club. I mean, it remind I perform a lot at Gotham Comedy Club. This reminds me of, uh, of Gotham. And, and, you know, it's big space. It holds like 300 people. Stage is great. Nice, beautiful bar. Really, really good. So I've been watching a new show. I think it's on Netflix called My Unorthodox Life. Have you heard about this show? Okay. Let me break it down. I think it's Netflix. If it's not Netflix, it's Amazon. But basically, it's about a woman named Julia Hart. And she was, um, she's from Muncie, New York. I don't know if you know Muncie. Muncie, uh, I think it might be in like Dutchess County. You know, it's in the Westchester area. It's like more upstate, um, you know, from me, city girl. But uh, Muncie, it's a big Orthodox Jewish community. A lot of Hasidic people, a lot of Orthodox there. And, um, this woman, Julia, she was, uh, you know, she, she lived there. She got married, uh, very young, you know, had kids and she escaped and moved to Manhattan and built this big business. And that's what the show is about. And I don't know if you know anything about the Orthodox um, community. I, I, I don't know why I almost feel very like, I don't want to say familial, but I, it's very close to me. I think that's my grandmother uh, grew up in Borough Park in Brooklyn, which is a big uh, Hasidic area. So growing up my whole life, I always heard about Jewish things and her experiences and yada, yada. So I feel like I know so much about this culture, but I'm always fascinated by them regardless of what I know. I mean, they're it's fascinating. I don't know if it's fascinated or horrified. I mean, you know, I respect them. I respect their religion. I respect their their customs and their their beliefs. But you know, they, the men are just superior. I mean, they, that that's just how that culture goes. I don't know if Oprah did something. I don't know if you ever saw it um, about a few years ago. Few. Ha! Huh, more like 15 years ago. She did like an expose on the Hasidic uh, communities in Borough Park, Brooklyn. And she went with cameras, which by the way, they're not even allowed to have cameras in the house. So I don't know how she finagled that. But uh, she went in and she basically asked them, you know, what is life like? And, you know, the women you know, obviously, you know, they have to shave their head, they have to wear wigs, they can't show any body, no elbows, legs, neck, they can't even, they wear something called a shell, which covers uh, even their neck. Um, they can't show a dot of skin. The women, they, they can't, they don't get educated. They're not allowed to go to college. They don't, they're not able to read certain books. Um, literally, uh, they, their only job is to get married and have kids. And it's sad. Um, but Oprah did this thing. I'm sure you could find it on YouTube and it was really interesting, but this Julia Hart. So she's, you know, living in this Orthodox community in Muncie, New York, and she's, uh, you know, depressed. She doesn't like it there. And she's so bold, so bold. She says on the show, my unorthodox life, she says, um, you know, I wanted to get out but I needed money. I didn't know how I was going to get some money. I'm not educated. So the one thing that I did that I know I could do was to sell. So she started selling insurance and annuities behind her husband's back to who I have no idea. And how she got away with this, again, no idea. Um, but she started selling insurance and annuities. She was sacking the money away. 
And uh, when she saved up enough money, she literally just woke up one day and packed her bags and and left. And she moved to Manhattan and um, she started a shoe brand. I mean, just so, so interesting. She became a shoe designer. I don't even know how you do that. Like when I came to Manhattan, I was living in a 190 square foot studio apartment in the meatpacking district with rats. And I was like working in a boiler room downtown. I have no idea how you come from a, a, a Hasidic Jewish, you know, culture, Orthodox Jewish community with no education and no connects. And then you just are like, you know what? I'm going to make high heeled shoes. Well, she did it. And she says uh, in the show that, you know, in her culture, they're not even allowed to wear heels, but she was always so tiny. She didn't really care. She always wore heels her whole life. So she started this shoe brand called Julia Hart and it got acquired by La Perla. And then she became the creative, creative director of La Perla. And, um, you know, and then now she's the CEO of a modeling agency, big modeling agency. You might have heard of them, Elite World. Now, this lady, in a span of eight years, went from no money to $500 million. I'm watching this show. I'm all sort of verklempt, right? i got to get the Yiddish language in for this episode. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, of course, I'm like, I see that she's married to the CEO of La Perla. So, you know what? She's a hustler, this Julia. i got to give it to her. I like this show. I've watched a couple episodes. I might give it one more. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. And here's the reason why. I think that her character, like I'm not, you know, I don't know if this is her real self or this is more of a character she plays. I don't know. But I feel like it can have more depth to it. Like you came from this crazy, repressive um, community, no uh, tolerance for women and their intellect and, and businesswomen, none whatsoever. And you escaped that, which is an amazing feat. And you came to the air quotes, free world, to Manhattan, and you start this business, and you're successful. And even if you screw in the CEO of some big fashion brand, and he winds up acquiring your company, and you know, and, and makes you a millionaire, whatever. But she, you know, she, she, there's so much depth to that story, and she's she doesn't really talk a lot about it, at least in the first two episodes. She lives in like a three-story uh, penthouse in Tribeca with her husband who's a very handsome, older Italian man. And, uh, you know, and and she she wears sky-high shoes and her boobs are hanging out and she's wearing short shorts and, you know, little, like, itsy-bitsy itsy outfits. And she's like, I'm a free woman. I like to dress like this. I like to wear, you know, and she's all made up with the hair. And I like it. But I think that really out of all the stuff um, that you've been through, and how many cultures are all around the world uh, and women are repressed. I feel like you could have a different spin on it. I mean, she definitely got the show because um, the juxtaposition of very conservative, strict, strict orthodox, and then the juxtaposition of, you know, the CEO of a modeling agency now, you know, going from zero to, you know, a thousand. It's it's an interesting juxtaposition. But I feel that the show, I don't, maybe I shouldn't say her, that the show can have a little bit more um, depth. And I, uh, I I hope it does. I, I don't know. We'll see. I took my kids to the Knicks preseason game, a Knicks preseason game a, uh, a couple weeks ago. We had the best time. You know, I got like $7 seats. We sat in heaven. I, po- I had posted some pictures. Um, it was great. They had a great time. And I forgot how fun you know, the basketball is for the kids. I like basketball. I'm not a big sports fan, but I like basketball. But uh, they had a great time, and uh, I'm thankful that the seats were $7 because everything else was like you needed to take a second mortgage out. 
a 16-ounce soda they wanted like eight bucks for. Can you imagine how ridiculous a beer, God forbid, mommy needs a cocktail? $16 for, you know, just some crappy, you know, can of beer. But we had a great time. Um, It reminded me like to just do more out of the box things with them. I do, you know, I take them to the museums and, and, and uh, we do a lot of stuff in the park and we go on a lot of walks, but, and we go, you know, do painting and, and crafts, but not, not so much sports. And they, they absolutely loved. Anyway, all that cheesecake talk had me thinking about Halloween candy this year. Did you hear there was a shortage? I mean, is there not like there's a shortage on everything, right? In fact, I just did my Christmas shopping. Could you die? For my kids, for my kids at least. Everybody's talking about the supply chain shortage and that there's not going to be enough gifts and and there's not going to be enough stuff for the kids or anything in time. And I read some, and so as you know, I have young kids. I don't want them to be without on Christmas or without maybe that one or two, two things they really want and from Santa. (laughs) But uh, I read something interesting that said, we're having this supply chain shortage. Why don't we just go with it and just bring Christmas back to be what it really is supposed to be, which is is the religious holiday and, and food and family and friends. Oh God, look at this blowing up my phone. Got to turn that off right now. Anyway, and you know, I think that going back to that sort of wholesomeness about the holiday is nice, but at the end of the day, why well, I'm going to let my kids go around with no gifts when, you know, they know that there's a Santa, just get the hell out of here. So I went on Amazon, ordered a whole bunch of stuff for them, so excited, and uh, I bought the Halloween candy also. Well, I tried to buy Halloween candy. I was unsuccessful because there actually was a candy shortage when I went on Amazon. I don't know if you've tried now, I didn't go to CVS or the ShopRite or anything like that to check for the candy. I'm sure they have tons, but I get most of my stuff delivered. I'm not going to schlep, you know, five-pound bag of candy from the store to my house, carry it what, with two backpacks, my bag, a laptop. I got a phone. Oh, come on, please. I'm going to order. So I go on Amazon, and um, I'm looking for candy. And all I see is like third-party sellers selling like four bags, of can- four pounds of candy. And it's like, uh, no, I 100% am not buying four pounds of rogue, probably poisoned candy that what shows up in a Ziploc bag. Are you crazy? Get the hell out of here. There was no big mixture of candy on there, at least my Amazon. You know, I think sometimes we see different things based on where we live, but, um, they did have like, I don't know, like 20 pack, a nerd rope or something, you know, for like $40. Like, first of all, I'm not giving out full size nerd rope. Two, I don't even know what nerd rope is. I'm going to assume it has to do with nerds. And uh, three, $40 for that? Get out of here. So I go on Costco, right? And I, and you know, Instacart. And I get two big bags of candy delivered, um, 150 pieces each. And here's the thing. I totally forgot that Halloween, while open this year in my apartment building for the kids, is closed for the outside kids. So, you know, last year we didn't have Halloween. And this year we're having Halloween, but it's only for the people in the building. Uh, So we can't have any outside trick-or-treaters. So there's like five apartments with kids, mine being one of them, in the whole building. So I just bought 300 pieces of candy. Can you die? For basically five apartment buildings. I mean, and you know... 
I almost feel that I knew what I was doing in my subconscious. It's almost like I knew. And you know, the girls, I said to the girls, I said, girls, why don't, why doesn't mommy buy pretzels? Because Costco had a really nice big tub of Utz pretzels, you know, wrapped in little individually wrapped Halloween, like 90 bags for like six bucks, you know, but they're like, but you want chocolate. So I was like, all right, fine. So I got the big bag, you know, with the Twix, the Snickers, the Kit Kats, you know, and then I got another one with the gummy stuff, you know, a Twizzler, Sour Patch, you know, and I'm just disgusting. I'm just, I can't handle it. I saw, I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking at it right now. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's like hundred grand M and M's, Reese's, Twix, Snickers, Milky Way. I mean, what really? And let me tell you something. A few years ago, I went to the tree, you know, the Christmas tree shop, and I bought one of those big giant like aluminum tubs for the candy. Now again, I should know better. I have no business buying, you know, a, a 10 pound aluminum basin for <laughs> my Halloween candy, but I do because then, I'm, then you know, the OCD in me knows you have to keep it full, you have to fill it up, and then I eat it all. This is the problem. They're like, <laughs> the girls are like, oh, don't worry, mommy, we'll give it to daddy. So that, I think I am gonna do that. I think I'm gonna take a big, huge bag of uh, like a Ziploc bag or something and just put a ton of candy in it for my ex and let him give it out somehow to his apartment because I don't need this kind of shit in my life. I don't know about you, but I feel like one day I woke up and I was in my mid-30s and every time I put something on my lips, it went straight to the hips. (laughs) I miss the good old days. I miss the days where I was just able to, you know, pop open a bag of Skittles, dump them in my mouth, get a little sugar rush and go. I didn't have to worry about the weight aspect. Mm, 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 mm. So I went to Saks Fifth Avenue, which I'll tell you about this coat because it's my, my product of the day. But uh, I went to Saks and, you know, they already have their Christmas stuff up. They have a holiday village. It's very cute. They don't have the windows done, obviously. I mean, that would be ridiculous. But they have this whole Christmas village set up, and it's like everything just feels so rushed. I almost feel in some ways that it was just the holidays, you know, like just last year's holidays. After Saks, I went to uh, the eye doctor. And um, I don't know if you if you go to the eye doctor and you still get your pupils dilated, you know, when they have to do the test like once a year or whatever. I have this fabulous place that I go to. If you're in Manhattan and you need a place, it's Studio Optics in Rock Center. They do all of the movie uh, stars, TV stars, 30 Rocks in the building. So they do all of um, those, or I should say, it's 30 Rocks. So they, they do all of, you know, the celebs. Because I didn't know that when there's an actor and or an actress and they're cast maybe for an older role or they're playing a sick patient, that they need eye treatments for these roles, whether it be special contacts or, I don't know, something to make their eyes glassy or yellowy. I had no idea that that was even a thing. No idea. So anyway, when I'm there, sometimes I run into some celebrities. I saw Drew Barrymore not too long ago. Robert De Niro is in there from time to time. uh, And it's super cool. But that's not why I go. Why I go is because they do the eye exam. And by the way, this isn't an ad. I mean, I think you know that by now. Um, but this, they do the eye exams all computerized. So it's this thing called the um, OptoMap. And basically, it's like your retinal eye exams, but it's through a computer. So instead of putting, you know, um, 
like the, 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 the drops in your eye to dilate your pupils and then you're leaving with red eyes that are stinging for four hours. Um, and instead of, of course, holding like a spoon against your left eye and your right eye and having to read those lines, this is, you put your chin in, you know, uh, this little chin strap and you sit in a chair, you put your chin, so you sit in the chair, you put your chin on the chin strap and then you go, you move in this sort of swivel chair to four different stations and they're like these little masks that come over your eyes. And, um, you know, and, and, and you do all the things. You read the line from above in the mask. Another one, you do like a little, see a house in a distance. Another one, they do that, the, the, the pictures of your back of your eyes. But it's such a nice experience because you don't, you're not in a dusty old eye doctor, you know, sitting on a maroon pleather doctor chair with rips in it. You know, you don't, you don't feel skeevy. I mean, the only, and so, and it is very high end, but my insurance covers it. So what the hell do I care? The only thing I'll say is that the glasses are expensive in the place. And I love a good pair of funky glasses, but, you know, and sometimes I buy them. But I also check Costco for glasses, not for nothing. I don't know if you've been, but I bought a pair of glasses. When I was delivering my my oldest daughter, I wanted to get a pair of childbirth glasses because I'm just so ridiculous like that. I was like, I could not wear heavy frames to give birth to my angel baby. And I didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I went to Costco, and I bought these, like, wire frames, like, really cute, for, like, 30 bucks. You know, prescription lenses. So I'll go elsewhere for the glasses, but but Studio Optics does have great ones. There's a great, oh, there's this one eyeglass designer I love. Her name is Anne at Valentin, uh, and she just makes the coolest. If you like plastic, funky frames, I have a pair of hers that are, like, red, matte, thick, um, cat eye glasses. I mean, they're great. I have so many. I have blue, vintage French, hot blue from the night, uh, from the sixties. Sorry. I have little gold spectacles. I have pink squares with orange sort of like wingdings on the side. I wear so many different types of glasses. I love them. In fact, when I was working, um, well, when I was working like in the corporate world and there five days a week and, you know, going by my ex-husband's last name and the whole bit. I was always wearing such boring outfits, you know, but I would use these glasses to like jazz up my face, like jewelry for the face. So I have such a collection. Much to my surprise, my eye doctor, Mitch Cassell, says uh, he wants to give me, I think they're like, I don't know if they're transition lenses. You know, it's like where the top is some the top of the lens is one prescription and the bottom is another. I said, what do you think I am, 100? I'm not wearing those. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, you're going to have to wear them. He's like, you could um, waste a little more time not wearing tra- tra- transition lenses, excuse me. But you are going to eventually have to wear them. I, I feel like it's like a modern-day bifocal. I do not want to wear those. So I'm holding out. I'm I'm stubbornly holding out. Besides, also, from economically speaking, if I start wearing transition lenses or whatever the hell they're called in my regular pair of glasses, then I'm going to have to swap out the other lenses. I'm not doing it. No, no. A few months ago, I told you about this nightgown brand, by the way, called, um, on Amazon, called Ekauer or something. It's uh, E-K-O-A. E-U-R. I sung their praises to you. I was like, oh my God, these nightgowns are delicious. 
They're like soft modal. They remind me of Stars Above in Target or Gap Body. I love them. And don't get me wrong, I still love them. By the way, I think there's an ambulance. You hear that? You hear that? Got to check my Citizen app to see if there's any drama in the neighborhood. So anyway, um, God, it's so loud. My window's closed and everything. So, so, these are cower nightgowns. And one day when I realize the real pro- pronunciation of it, I'm going to be secondhand embarrassed for myself, but that's okay. So, they're so soft and I wear, you know, grandma nightgowns to the floor, cotton, spaghetti strap. I don't care. I love it. My boyfriend's like, you look so sexy. I'm like, uh, and aren't you so lucky? Thank you. Five months into the nightgowns by this brand. Oh, they got so pilly and bally and I freaking hate it. I'm so disappointed. I mean, things, they just don't make things like they used to. I feel ancient saying this. I'm not ancient. And there was, by the way, a good documentary. I think I mentioned in the past on Amazon or Netflix about fast fashion, about how these brands, you know, it's, it's who can come out with the latest styles for the cheapest, you know, with good, air quotes, good, air quotes, material that could rival the real sort of materials that they use like in the couture houses. Although by using the re- the material that can rival, what they really mean is like replicate by look. So, you know, it, it's, it doesn't hold up. You know, the wool is, you know, maybe a wool sweater that you'd buy at one of these fast fashion shops, i.e. Forever 21 or Zara. The wool is maybe has all sorts of polyester in it and plastics and all that kind of stuff, right? It's junk. But the stuff is good. Sometimes it lasts. Sometimes it doesn't. Ah. And the same is like Amazon. So this brand of nightgowns, I was so excited to find them. And I was so excited for the sumptuous soft cotton. And then I'm so disappointed that they're pilling and getting bally. One of my girlfriends, she's like, why don't you take a razor and just like razor it off? I said, what are you kidding me? No, I do not want to do that. So if you have any recommendations, I'd love to have them. It's just exhausting. I mean, you know, you can't get around it. Like, this is why I, sometimes I just think, you know what, I'm not shopping anymore. I'm just, what's the point of shopping? Because, you know, in three months' time, there everything's just going to go to shit. That's like Victoria's Secrets. I bought, I used to, um, well, I still buy their their undies. They have, like, the lacy undie. I, can somebody please, like, make a public service announcement, or maybe I should do it right now, that the underwear rips after, like, a couple of months? I'm sorry. What are we, made out of money around here? And I'm not even putting this in the dryer. Ah, oh, you can't take it. So my hairdresser, I was getting my hair done the other day, and she told me to not wash my hair for, like, three or four days. And, you know, I'm dying because, yeah, like, one day goes by and you, you could make scrambled eggs on my head. I mean, you know, my hair gets so oily. It's long. I have to, I wash my hair every other day. If I exercise, which I hate, I will wash it every day, which is terrible for your hair. I mean, my grandmother, she doesn't wash her hair for, like, two weeks. And my mother, my mother, I think she washes her hair, like, maybe once a week, twice a week. But she has a head full of Aquanet and she's using mousse and metal combs. I actually think my mother still uses a pick. But anyway, so I decided, let me just try to take my hairdresser's advice. Oh, my God. On day three, I was dying. I was dying. I'm going crazy. I'm itchy. I feel like there's oily hair in my face. It's itching. I had to wear my hair half up, half down the whole time. And when I was home, I had it in like a high pony bun. Forget pony. I couldn't have the pony breezing by my face. I was so skeeved down. But I will say that... <laughs> 
she was right because when I washed my hair on the fourth day, it was like sumptuous silk, like brown ribbons of chocolate silkiness. It was stunning. It, it really made me think that I should continue to not wash it and uh, not wash it for a few days and, and really get into that kind of rhythm. She said that if you do that long enough, your body's pH um, kind of adjusts and your hair won't get as oily um, as early as maybe it did when you were washing it every day or every other day. But trick is to use arrowroot powder, uh, which I have, you know, so she's like, get some arrowroot powder, but she told me this ages ago, so I already had it. Get arrowroot powder and a barber's brush, you know, that they use for the man, men when they're like doing the buzz cut, which any excuse to shop on Amazon, I'm in. So, you know, of course I bought the special brush. I'm like, oh, I needed a special brush. I needed this brush. No other brush will do. <laughs> And when it's oily, you know, you dab the arrowroot powder at, at your scalp. You, like, massage it with your hands for a couple seconds. Leave it for five minutes and you brush it out. Good as new. Total volume. And my hairdresser told me that if you, if you have dark hair, like me, the arrowroot powder is white. You can mix the arrowroot powder with some cocoa powder to make it brown. I said to my hairdresser, you know what? Get the hell out of here, okay? I said, I live in a knock-on-wood vermin-free, bug-free environment, I am not all of a sudden going to have creatures coming to my house in the night because they smell mama has a head full of chocolate, okay, <laughs> just to keep the oil away. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? But, but it is a thing and people do it, but whatever. So hopefully, hopefully I'm going to try this. This uh, my, my, Hopefully my oils will calm down and I, I will try to continue this um, non-hair washing thing, but it is a little skeevy. I mean, on day four, I was like, ooh, is my hair going to turn to dreads? My boyfriend's like, what are you, crazy? No, it's not. <laughs> Meanwhile, he didn't even know a difference. I don't even care, though, if he saw a difference or not. It was me. I felt the oil. You know when you just feel it and you feel, oh, yuck. Okay. Product of the week is these coats. Okay, so full disclosure, I bought this coat and then I returned it for a fit reason, but the coat is called, the brand is called Jane Post. So I was in Saks because I wanted to look through the coat section and full disclosure, they had a uh, gift card promotion that if you spent a certain amount of money, you're going to get a gift card. So I was like, ah, it's a great excuse to shop there. So I go and, uh, but I'm in the coat section because I'm going away on a trip in a couple months and I wanted to get like a cute little wrap you know, jacket, even though I have a wrap jacket already, I wanted to get like another one. And um, of course, like I, like I don't need another jacket. A few weeks ago, I'm just talking about Marie Kondo's like only keep the things that bring you joy. And here I am like, I needed another wrap coat. So I'm in the place. I don't see any wrap coats that were really appealing. But what I did see was this adorable brand, Jane Post, and they make like raincoats like chic raincoats and like storm coats. So I bought this coat. I don't know what it was called, but it was like a rain-ish material on the outside, like a nylon, you know? And then it had, um, but it was, you know, to the long sleeve, obviously, to the knee, like a regular collar um, with like a lapel kind of thing, but that sounds hideous, but it wasn't. And buttons. And then it had brown, and it was black, and it had brown faux fur like on the lapel. And then, it had like very wide faux fur brown cuffs at the at the wrist. And on the inside, it was lined in faux fur. 
and it had, you know, these big chunky buttons going down the coat. It was very like Madeline meets Paddington Bear. I put it on, I thought it was so cute. And it was reversible. So you could, you know, put the coat the other way and you get the faux fur on the, you know, the outside. It was very, very durable. And it wasn't so inexpensive BTW. I mean, I know I talk a lot about price. I think it was like $600, but I felt like, nah, I wanted to splurge that day. Anyway, I wound up returning it because when I got home, I put on a, uh, like a hoodie or, and then I tried on like a, a down vest and it didn't, it, it didn't really fit properly. It was like still baggy. It was still big. I bought the medium. But the coat brand is so cute. They have, um, they made like a red patent leather raincoat, a yellow one, a black one. It was adorable. And the best part, and again, not obviously not an ad. The, the sizes, they go from 2 to 24, which the salesperson told me. I didn't even know. The salesperson also told me a few seasons ago, they had a lavender patent leather rain swing coat. I mean, oh, so gorgeous. I would have died to have that. You could find a few, I think, on Amazon, but I, uh, but Saks had the biggest um, selection that when I was in the store. So they were cute. I was, it was sad I wasn't able to keep it, but you know what? I don't need another coat. I actually have a very uh, handy, reliable uh, raincoat from Uniqlo that comes down to the knee and it has a hood a really good hood that like, you know, really kind of covers your whole face and your cheeks and everything and a zip and it comes up, the zip comes up to like your lips and it's like 70 bucks. If you look on Uniqlo, they're great. Um, but this, this Jane post coat, so cute. I loved it. Anyway, on the fashion note, I just have to say thank you to my listeners who came to my comedy show or the show I was on and they made me a shirt. Can you die. They got me a leopard shirt from the Gap. They know I love the Gap. And um, because it's just reliable and it's comfortable. I mean, really, come on, let's be serious. And I think they use like the cricket and they put like a decal on it. And it says the Elise DeLucci show. And I totally love it. And I would post a picture of me wearing on Instagram, but I can't because Instagram blocked me. Can you imagine this fucking shit? Last week, TikTok blocks me because I posted about Columbus Day. This week or two weeks ago, this week, or now maybe set, for, no, not seven, maybe four or five days ago, Instagram blocked me because I had a, um, I unfollowed a few, so I'm on my account, right? I'm on Instagram, I'm on my cell phone. And I, I noticed that I was following a couple of rogue, I think like three or four, really like rogue, weird, like crypto finance brokers. I don't know who, I don't even know how I started following these people. I think my kids might've took my phone and, you know, push follow or something. So I unfollowed these accounts really fast. I was like, unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. And all of a sudden it pops up. You know, it's like a millisecond. What pops up is a bubble and it says, you've violated our community guidelines. You know, you're not able to go on Instagram till October 27th. And I'm freaking out. I call my sister Gabrielle. She's like, oh my God, that's great. Use it as a social media vacation. I'm like, vacation? I don't want a social media vacation. I want a vacation that involves palm trees and coconuts. I want to be on Instagram. That's exactly what I want. My business is on there. So I'm so sad, but I wasn't able to post. So I'll be back on Insta soon. But I wasn't able to post about the, the, um, the beautiful leopard shirt. And I just love it. And I can't wait to wear it um, and show, it, show everyone because it's just so cute. Moral of that story is don't follow and unfollow very, very fast because, or, or at multiples at a time or something because, you know, you just, God, the thought of getting 
band is terrible. It's just, oh, anyway. Quote of the day by Sigmund Freud. I'm not always the biggest Freud fan. I think he does like all these like Madonna whore complex stuff. But this quote is just so great. Because we all can relate to this. No matter who we are, we can relate. Before you diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you are not, in fact, just surrounded by assholes. Sigmund Freud. That's it for today's Elise DeLucci Show, episode 81. Thank you for listening. As always, stay tuned for next time, and I will talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. (laughs) 